Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, even though the governor's race is still a little bit of ways away, we've already got candidates starting to declare. And join us in studio is Eric Doden. Uh, Eric used to work in the Pence administration at the Department of uh, the Indiana Develop- Economic Development Corporation, the IEDC. I figure I'd get those initials right sooner or later. Eric, my friend, how are you doing? Good, Abdul. How are you? So why do you want to... Why do you want to run for governor? Did you have enough of politics? Is, is life in Fort Wayne all nice and quiet and, and peaceful? And why do you want to come down here? Well, Abdullah, I think our why is typically based in our story. And my story starts in Butler, Indiana, where I grew up, a town of 2,500 people. And when I was 15, we moved to Auburn. And then eventually I went to Hillsdale College in a small town in Hillsdale. And what I saw over the course of my life is the decline of these small towns. And 2 million people in Indiana live in these small towns. And, and I think it's important for us to have a bold vision uh, where we can uh, begin to see these communities come back and restore their main streets, restore community pride. And uh, so we have a vision for not just the restoration of our small towns, but also our regions. Uh, Indiana is a summation of all of the parts of the entire state. And uh, and so really, to me, it's about restoration of communities and making sure that we have opportunities uh, for people as they want to start and grow businesses, but also to ret- attract and retain the talent that we have in the state. And that's a lot of the reason why I'm running. Uh, tell a little, a little bit about your background. Yeah, so um, I grew up, like I said, in Butler, Indiana. Uh, played a lot of Sandlot baseball with with kids. And if you'd have told one of us when we were playing baseball back in Butler that one of us would run for governor someday, I think we all would have thought that <laughs> you were probably crazy. Uh, but um, you know, we just grew up in this small town environment where uh, we were just trying to figure the world out, and and went to Hillsdale College, and then went into business. And so I spent you know the first about 15 years of my career running companies uh, and then uh, started my own business in 2011 after I had run for mayor of Fort Wayne and uh, really uh, was inspired to run for mayor because of John Costas, who was a mentor and coach of mine who had really transformed Valparaiso. I used to live in Valparaiso, Indiana uh, from 1994 to 97, and I saw that community grow and prosper, and I really wanted that for Fort Wayne. And and so that's when I met Mike Pence uh, during that time, and then he asked me to head up the IEDC and while I was doing tours of our communities, uh, just saw that how important it was for us to have community vibrancy throughout the state so that we could grow jobs and attract and retain talent in those communities. Uh, tell us about your time at IEDC. Um, I was there from 2013 to 15. Uh, it was a very dynamic and exciting time. I got a chance to work with a, a great uh, gentleman named Victor Smith. And uh, we just really focused on trying to make sure that we did as many deals as possible to grow jobs, but also that we uh, focused on making sure that communities were revitalized and enhanced. And that's where we came up with the Regional Cities Initiative concept that allowed us to engage the private sector uh, to envision where they wanted their community to be in the next 10 to 15, 20 years. And and that really, um, we, we put $126 million into that pro- program and did $1.25 billion of deals in one year and really saw communities like South Bend Elkhart and Evansville and Fort Wayne just begin to grow and, um, you know, improve growth and population and community pride. And we want to see that spread out to the entire state of Indiana. How easy, difficult was it uh, during the Regional Cities Initiative? Because one thing I noticed when I came to Indiana was... Uh, People would say, well, I'm not from Indianapolis, I'm from Lawrence. Like, well, y'all look alike to me. I can't 
tell the tell the difference. But a person from Carmel would say, "I'm not from Carmel. I'm not from Fishers. I'm from Zionsville." And it almost sort of seemed like everybody was in their own operating in their own silo. So how did you get these folks to get out of these silos and actually work together on stuff? Well, I think what we did is we put um, uh, uh, some some money into the the regional cities initiative of forty two million that caused people to to have a comprehensive regional plan. And you know what? When you're at the IDC, everybody wants you to invest in our community. And I think our basic message was: we're willing to invest if you'll have a regional plan and you'll put uh, yourselves together in a room and come up with a plan that will work for the entire region. Now, now every region is a little different. Some have ten counties in the region. Some have five counties in the region. Uh, but what we saw was when we partnered together in this way and people began to partner as a region, really great things happened. And uh, so that's part of the strategy behind regional cities was to get people to think about things regionally, not just uh, within their own uh, community. The voice here is the voice of Eric Doden. Eric is an officially declared candidate for governor, even though the governor's race isn't until 2024. It's never too early to, to come on the radio show and get started having a, having a conversation. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, I know one of the big challenges Indiana has right now is, is we're, we're cook like gangbusters on job commitments. But the, the question is always with the workforce. Do we have the workforce to, to, to do all the high paying jobs and all the technical jobs that are coming here? Yeah. So I think there's a couple things uh, there, Abdul, that we need to focus on. One is making sure that we are growing up our education. Uh, you know, what I love about what's going on right now with like Larry Garitoni and his school in South Bend and some other uh, really creative educational concepts is we're actually um, making our education available for people who learn in different ways. Like I have one son, for example, who's a very hands-on project-based learner. I have three other kids who like to work, you know, uh, learn through reading books. Uh, well, every kid is different and having multiple pathways for them to get educated, I think is a really positive thing and, and empowering parents to make sure that they can choose where their kid gets educated, how they get educated is important. So that's really important. But then we also have to have vibrant communities and great jobs that, that this talent wants to stay and work in. So when I talk to a lot of my parents that are my friends and their kids start moving away, they're excited about what's happening in some of our regions now because their kids are starting to move back. But also, Abdul, what we're starting to get is people moving here from across the country, and that's when you can really grow your economy. Um, it's interesting you bring that up because I know, uh, I know it's always been a challenge for Indiana to really stress sort of that post-secondary education because for so long, for example, if you're in East Central Indiana, you, you, know, you graduated from high school, you went to work at the auto plant, you worked there for 30 years, got your gold watch, had a, had a nice home for living, but those, I tell folks, those jobs are gone, and unfortunately, they're, they're not coming back. So once again, I, I suppose my question is, how do you... How do you, you know, bring in the jobs that 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 the people have the skills to do? I, I guess is, is guess sort of my question. If I'm if I'm making sense at all here. Yeah, I think really government has to create conditions that allow you know companies have to make decisions based on the talent and where they can get the talent they need. I, I think what you know Indiana has always been known for is growing things and making things. That's kind of been our mantra. But we also have a big tech sector now. And those are exciting jobs and opportunities, and people are beginning to, you know, really study that and, and do the education you need to be involved in a tech sector, whether it's coding or those types of things. Um, this is going to be an ever-evolving situation. I think what government has to do is partner with local communities and leaders and make sure that we have the right conditions where that when the companies want to move in, they can uh, attract and retain the talent they need to be successful. Now, so you said Indiana has a reputation for growing things and making things. So why can't I get legalized marijuana in this freaking state? <laughs> that I cannot answer. How, how hard? How hard is that to get? Why do I have to drive to? Oops, sorry, never mind. No, no. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Uh, Eric Doden is our guest on the program today. Eric just officially announced uh, recently that he's running for governor, and so we're having a uh, sort of a sit down and get together, get to know him, uh, so you folks can make up your own minds. Uh, why announce so early? 
Well, I think when we looked at it, uh, one of the things that I've been uh, taught is to go on a listening tour. And uh, obviously, this is a big state, so you have 92 counties. And to do a listening tour properly, when we did the math, you needed two years before the last year, which is, uh, you know, very hectic and, and, and more about larger crowds. So what we've been able to do over the last uh, year is sit down one-on-one with about 650 people in 41 counties and really listen to a couple things. Number one, they generally tell us their story because we're very intrigued with, you know, their background and how they got here. But then two, what are the important issues for, you know, people in Richmond or people in Terre Haute or people in some of these uh, other communities? And and so in, in order to do it the right way, we felt that, and the, at least the way that I wanted to do it, we felt that we needed a three-year horizon to make sure that we could get to every county and not just run into a county, say hi to a couple people and leave. We're trying to really meet with anywhere from 10 to 20 people per county on a one-on-one basis. Eric Dode, our guest on the program today. Eric is a candidate for governor, uh, even though the governor election isn't until 2024. Uh, Eric, you talked about uh, you know real sort of re- reinvigorating sort of the rural areas, which is obviously where you're from. What about the the urban and suburban areas, which are also you know big population centers, big economic engine drivers in the state of Indiana? Yeah, so um, I really believe in both and. And so what we uh, want to do is have a plan for our rural communities and small towns that ha- that where 2 million people live, but we also want to have a regional plan for the 10 regions that roughly encompass 10 counties per region. But then beyond that, we have a plan for our urban communities as well. Uh, and so we, we really believe that it's important for Indianapolis over the next eight years to beat Denver, Nashville, and Austin. And to do that, we're going to have to have a bold plan for Indianapolis and this um, this area as well, the 10 counties that surround Indianapolis. So we, we believe that this $30 billion plan that we're putting in place that will largely be driven by the private sector, but also partnered with state government and local government, is a strategy that will benefit both small towns, our regions, and our larger cities as well. Uh, tell us about your $30 billion plan. Well, we believe that based on uh, our background and what we've done in other communities like Van Wert, Ohio, where we've actually begun to implement some of the plans for small towns, that we're going to put $100 million a year for eight years. Uh, we spend about $600 million in economic development. So we're going to take $100 million of that $600 million and put it into uh, the Indiana Main Street Initiative and tell the private sector, use it or lose it. We would like you to identify what you'd like to do with your smaller communities and how you want to transform them. Uh, and so that will lead to about $4 billion worth of deals based on uh, based on our past experience and how we've done this before. And then regional cities would be $200 million, $20 million per region, again, telling the private sector uh, that use it or, we, or we'll reassign it to other regions. And we know that that will lead to about $2 billion of deals a year for $16 billion over eight years. And then we have a $10 billion plan for the 10-county metroplex called Indianapolis in, in, in this area. So and that plan is, again, designed to compete with or beat Denver, Nashville, and Austin as three examples of, of communities that we compete with for jobs and, and, and growth and economics every day. Uh, and so that's the $30 billion plan. For, to recap, $4 billion for small towns, uh, $16 billion for the regions, and $10 billion for the 10-county metroplex called Indianapolis. Um, I know uh, it used to be when you talk about economic development, it was, it was roads, it was bridges, it was infrastructure. Uh, I want to say now from my conversation with my friends over, the, over at AIM, formerly Citizen Towns, they say it's now more, more sort of quality of life issues. It's, it's, it's parks, you know, it's walking trails, it's, it's artist theater. How does all that sort of fit from, from your perspective when it comes to economic development? Well, when, when I visit communities, like one of the things that we've seen is we have a lot of leftover uh, assets from the Industrial Revolution that need to be cleaned up. And we didn't have a real good game plan for what happens when a factory leaves and then you know, they leave back this, you know, 
200,000 square foot factory or in, in like downtown Fort Wayne, we had a 1.2 million square foot factory that was just sitting there vacant and non-economic value added. So part of our view is we either need to clean it up. So in other words, tear it down and replace it with things that are economic value added, or we need to fix it. Um, and so that, you know, is part of the plan. You also, then of course we, you know, people are very interested in parks and trails uh, as a quality of life measure, but you also have to have infrastructure. Uh, and some of that infrastructure is not seen, you know, like sewer and water. And so it's a little easy to get, you know, believe it's always going to be there. But we know that we have a lot of things that we need to fix. And we have a lot of communities that are fixing uh, those, you know, long-term situations with sewer and water. So it's a combination of all the above. I think you got to focus on the infrastructure. You have to focus on making sure you have livable communities, but also um, making sure that we clean up some of the things that we inherited from the Industrial Revolution. Uh, were you on schools and vouchers and choice on other fund-related issues? Yeah, I'm a strong proponent of, of, of vouchers and school choice. I think parents need to be empowered uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, like in our family, not every kid learns the same. And so we needed one type of school for one kid, and we needed a different type of school for some of the other kids. And I think parents are in the best position to make that decision. But I also think that it's really good and healthy when parents are engaged in the curriculum and making sure that they're engaged in what their kids are being taught. Uh, that, that to me, is, is where education, when everyone's involved in education, I think we have a better educational system. Um, lately, the big issue uh, prior to the pandemic has been the issue of teacher pay. Here in Indiana, uh, lawmakers, they passed legislation like directing the X percentage of dollars uh, toward teacher pay. What would Eric Doden do with respect to teacher pay here in Indiana? Seeing how primarily teacher pay is still, for the most part, a local issue. Well, uh, we have some ideas on teachers' pay that we're just beginning to form, and I think there's going to be a, another conversation down the path that we can have with some of those ideas as we kick them off. But there, we're still in progress, and so I'd like to kind of wait, you know, for that conversation with that. But I think in general, we need to make sure that our you know teachers' pay is competitive, that people want to stay in the industry. One of the concerns I've heard from superintendents. I just talked to one uh, last week that they're beginning to lose some teachers to the private sector. Uh, and, and of course, that becomes a challenge because we need to have really good, you know, healthy teachers that teach our kids. So we need to make sure uh, that we do a good job of attracting and retaining our teacher talent. Um, and also that we have an understanding of of you know some of the tools that are available at the local level for teachers pay as well as the state level. So there are tools available at the local level for teachers pay to be increased. Uh, that that are a, an opportunity to be used as well. Eric Doden with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Eric officially announcing his candidacy for governor of the great state of Indiana. Uh, obviously, uh, you're Republican, duh. Uh, but obviously, uh, there there seems to be sort of the, the sort of back and forth, almost sort of tension between between the the business Republicans or quote unquote the establishment Republicans, as my colleague Rob Kendall calls them, versus the more ideological Republicans. Where are you in all that, and how do you bring your your party together? Because Republicans have basically run Indiana for almost like 12, 16 years, but as I jokingly say, nothing lasts forever. Yeah, that's correct. And I think what what we need to be is the the party of ideas that bring people together, that inspire people. I think one of the things I've really enjoyed about uh, going uh, around to all 92 counties, I've been at 41 of 92 so far, but I've been in 92 when I was at the IDC, uh, with Indiana Main Street Initiative and things like this, of how excited and inspired people get about what they can do to improve their community. You know, what we've learned when we studied how people went from one of the worst economies in the country to one of the best economies in the country, it was about strong leadership at the local level. And I think one of the things we need to do as state government is empower people at the local level to envision a bright future and then execute on that plan. And, and a lot of times what I see, Abdul, is they have a, a really good plan, but their execution 
is either taking too long or or not there. And so we want to inspire them to not just have a vision, but to execute on the plan and make sure we're a good partner with them to execute on that plan. Uh, obviously, we've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, you're you're officially in the race for governor. Suzanne Crouch may get in the race. Trey Hodsworth may get in the race. Uh, Todd Rakita may get in the race. And there's always what I call the TBA person, the person no one's ever heard of yet who, who may pop in. What makes an Eric Doden candidacy governorship different than those folks that those names that I mentioned? Well, I think it's really kind of going to come down to bold vision. I think if you look at, you know, I think most of us, if not all of us, I know I am as ardently pro-life. Uh, you know, we're going to be, you know, pro-school choice and, you know, we're, we're going to be a lot of the same, you know, you know, pro-marriage and, you know, those issues are, we're going to be aligned for most part. There may be a few that aren't, but I know I'm in the camp of those things. And so, I think those are going to be similarities. I think what where it's going to come down to is the vision and the and 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 bold vision of where we think we can take, um, you know, the, these communities. And and we've never seen a vision for our small towns, uh, and and we were the first ones to pitch, you know, in twenty thirteen to fifteen, a vision of regionalism and how we can get our regions to work together. And we want to re-implement that strategy that we had back in twenty thirteen, twenty fifteen. So I think what you know voters are going to have to do is look at the visions of each candidate and say. You know, which vision, you know, which person do I think will execute that vision? And we have a very strong track record of doing uh, of doing the execution part, not just pitching a vision, but getting it done. All right. Well, our guest on the program day has been Eric Doden. Eric officially announced his candidacy for governor. This is not the last time you hear from on these areas. So, Eric, my friend, is always good to chat with you. Thank you very much. Looking forward to future conversations. Thank you, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.